0: This is John Ford, founder of Free Indeed Ministries, and you're listening to the Iron Show.
1: Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Iron sharpeneth
2: iron, so a man sharpeneth the
1: countenance of his friend.
2: It's getting stronger, baby. I can't hold back. johnny mcmahon we're proud to have the iron show right here on fringe radio network that's fringe radio network la la
1: la la oh it's so nice to be here with you. Oh! (laughs) We have a very special guest, and his name is John Ford. Oh! Oh, John, can I Question?
0: Oh certainly. What's up?
2: Come on, give me one baby. What up? Oh yeah! Oh yeah! We're down here, we're down here with John Ford and Rabbi Mike. And John Ford, John Ford is the leader and the founder of Free indeed ministries. Reaching out to the gay community. The uh, lesbian community, the uh, bisexual community, uh, transgendered chicks with dicks, dogs on dogs on girls, girls on dogs, dogs on hogs, hogs on dogs, <laughs> hogs in the fog with hot dogs.
0: Have I about covered it, baby? I think you covered it there, Johnny. Uh-huh. Oh yeah! <laughs> you covered
2: it. Uh-huh. Oh dear, we got to turn this over and point our arrow, point our shotgun at Rabbi Mike.
1: Oh Rabbi Mike, when you have a terrible sweet tooth and you see a plate of cookies. Oh my, they're chocolate chip. Oh dear. say to yourself, I don't mind if I do, and you pick up a cookie and gobble it down, and you realize that the cookie was laced with cyanide, and your, your mouth starts foaming, and you start choking to death, does it make you cry?
3: your fascination with killing me here <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah baby
2: all right ah i just you know i have to say one more thing i have to say that we are live and we are in your ear oh yeah, oh, yeah baby oh yeah we're down here tonight with john ford of free indeed ministries we got rabbi mike here And we're going to go deep, man. We're going to get really heavy. We're going to get really serious. So uh, I'm not going to do a lot more talking because I have no teeth yet. And, uh, you know, uh, I want to thank all the listeners because because of you, because of you, uh, Natalina and Gons of Canary Cry Radio and Natalina of Extraordinary Intelligence, um, they both set up a fundraiser. And all you wonderful listeners – I uh, really showed Johnny the love, man, and words cannot express, but <clears throat> uh, because of that, I have the money, and I have the plane ticket, and I'm going down to Mexico, going down to Mexico way, and I'm going to get uh, eight implants with, uh, with attached dentures, like just like regular teeth. Oh,
1: oh dear, I could cry tears of joy. Just like Miss America. Oh, if only I was dressed
2: just like her. What's up? Oh, yeah. You can relate to that, can't you, Johnny?
3: Oh, uh, no, Does this make you a cyborg? Is the question. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: yeah. Oh, yeah you know, hey. um, I. I do not have any gay tendencies whatsoever. I am so totally like hetero. I, you know, uh, I haven't got a single gay bone anywhere. Even the little tiny ear bone in my ear isn't even gay. So I, you know, I'm just a regular guy. But uh, you know, uh, when I was uh, when I was uh, 15, my dad caught me in the closet uh, listening to uh, David Bowie, uh, Hunky Dory. You know, it's like uh you know it's like uh wake up your sleepy head, put on some clothes, shake off your bed, and put another log on the fire for me.
1: I made some breakfast and coffee. Look out in my window, what do I see? Crack in the sky and a hound reaching down to me. <laughs> oh yeah, baby! Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah,
2: oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah. You know uh, you know John, since you were coming on tonight, I picked up a couple of things for you. You know I I bought you a crib on
1: which the paint won't dry and a fuzzy little coat to keep you warm and dry. I bought you a pair of shoes, a trumpet you could blow, and a book of rules of what to say to people when they pick on you, cuz if you stay with us, you're gonna be pretty kooky too. Will you stay in a lover's story? If you stay, you won't be sorry, because we believe in you. Uh-oh. Soon you'll grow, so take a chance with a couple of kooks. I'm up and
2: romancing. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm That's telling great. you what, man. Yeah. I, I uh, you know, uh, all those. You know, all those David Bowie songs on uh, Hunky Dory. Uh, that was his first album in 1969. And um, my my friend Don Henson, who the Iron Show is modeled after, he was my best friend in high school. And I'll tell you what, he was queer as a $3 bill. I'm going to tell you what, but I loved that man. I mean, I loved that man like David, you know, loved his friend. And we were so close. And, uh, you know, uh, it really that really opened my heart to the gay community and man i used to hang out with him at mildred's mildred's palace i don't know if you i know you're an oregonian i don't know if you're around portland in the 70s but uh mildred's palace was the hangout i remember one time we were walking in there you know and uh because see mildred's palace i could go in there and they'd let me drink i was only 16 and so that was cool, man. I mean, I didn't care if I was hanging about hanging out with a lot of gay people. I mean, I could drink. So um, anyway, so the first time we go into Mildred's Palace, so Don is with me, right? And he's like, so we go walking in there, right? And he was telling me that it's really cool in there. Nobody will give you a bad time and stuff. And don't worry. Nobody will hit on you, Johnny. You don't have to worry. And I'm like, okay, you know, and he goes, and if they do, I'll, I'll scare them away. So, don't worry. I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> so, we're walking in there, right, and there's these two monster Samoan dudes on either side, the bouncers, right at the door. And Donnie goes, he goes, Johnny, act gay, because if they, if they think you're straight, they will kick your ass right here. And I'm like, what, are you serious? He goes, yeah, yeah. He goes, hold my hand. And I go, uh, <laughs> oh. So... He goes, hold my hand and prance a little bit, and I'm like, oh god! I was so pissed at him. I grabbed his hand right, and I just squeezed it. I put a gorilla grip on. it. He's like, Johnny, Johnny, not let me go I go walking through the door. I go, oh, I love you, Donny, and I kissed him. We get it. He goes, let me go in my hand you're killing my hand. <laughs> we, I went in there the first night I was in there. I was up Donnie was uh, you know he hung out at the table like, with like you know a lot of his gay friends and I was friends with like four or five guys that you know that I, well, I was friends with when, from you know partying with him at different places and but uh, so it was oh, I was a real friendly atmosphere I got like four or five good friends there anyway so I'm up at the bar and I'm drinking you know uh, Budweiser and Lone Brown and This chick comes up to me. She was so hot. I mean like blonde and young and like she looked like she was like 18 and absolutely gorgeous and um, sort of looked like Farrah Fawcett or something. And she starts talking to me and I'm like, is this chick talking to me? I was thinking that. And she's like, hey, um, so are you friends with Don? I go, yeah, yeah. He's like, my best friend. He's like, she's like, oh, wow, that is so cool. She goes, so you're gay? I said, no way. I'm totally straight. She goes, really? I'm like, yeah, I totally, I'm not gay. I, she, I said, don't tell anybody other. I don't want to get my ass kicked. She's like, it's cool. You think you're safe with me. Right? And so <laughs> she goes, look, um, she goes, look, huh? Uh, do you get high? I'm like, back then, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, whatever. I was in for anything. And, She's like, oh, let's. Why don't we go back to my place and smoke a couple joints and, you know, see what happens. I'm like, whoa. I'm like, yes. So she goes, well, um, I gotta go to the bathroom, right? So, um, Donnie, i um, I go back there. I go, well, I gotta tell Donnie I'm leaving, right? And she's like, okay. And so I go back there, and Donnie's in the bathroom doing favors. I mean, he was the sleaziest person you've ever met in your life. Anyway, so he finally comes out of the bathroom, you know. I'm like, God, Donnie. How many, Donnie? He goes, 12. <clears> 12 <throat> in a row. I'm like, oh, God. So anyway, um, <laughs> anyway, I mean, they could tell you a story, but I can't use the F word, you know. I mean, Donnie had a really con- get, a deep conversation with me one time. He goes, we're in Mildred's and stuff, and I you know, said, you know, I know you're gay and stuff. He goes, he gets pissed. He goes, Johnny, I am not gay. I said, uh, he goes, look, he goes, some men are straight like you, Johnny. He goes, some men are gay like clay over there. He goes, I am a, I will do it with anyone, anywhere, anytime, all the time, all day long. I'm like, okay, Don, he goes, I'm the sleaziest bastard you've ever met in your life. I go, and he goes, and I'm proud of it. I go, okay, well, whatever turns you on, Don. Hey, Don, um. I'm going to go home with that chick up there at the bar um, and, um, you know, sorry and stuff. But can you, like, get a ride with Clay or something, you know, hang out with Clay afterwards? And he's going, you're not going home with him. And I said, <laughs> no, the girl up there at the bar. He goes, no, that's a guy. I said, B- no way. I was like, no way. And he's like, oh, he goes, he goes oh, you don't think so, huh? I said, look at her. And he's like, "Yeah, look at him." I go, "I go, what do you know him or something?" She goes, "He goes, "Oh yeah, I know him real well." And I'm like, <sighs> I go, I don't care. I don't believe you, Donnie. I think what this is what's going on. You do this to me all the time. You get really upset when I've got to go because you always got to be with me. I go, and you don't want me to leave you alone. I go, man, Donnie, you're spending half the time in the bathroom anyway, so I'm going home with this chick. He goes, fine. Go home, go home with that pretty girl. And then when he whips out that weenie, what are you going to do, Johnny? What are you going to do? <laughs> I started thinking about it. I went up to her. I go, um... I don't know. Donnie's really upset. So I guess I'm going to have to stay with him tonight. And she goes, she goes, he told you, didn't he? He told you. I go, you're really a guy. She goes, what do you think? Uh, And to this day, I still don't think that was a guy, really. I just I'm not convinced. (laughs) And I wish I would have went home and with her and gotten proof and then ran out the door. At least I would know. <laughs> <laughs> What's
3: up? <laughs> so you were seriously wanted to star in the crying game? Is that what you're telling
2: me here? We're here, and uh, I am so honored to have John Ford from Free Indeed Ministries, because this man is all heart. I'm going to tell you what. You can have a lot of head knowledge, and that'll take you quite a ways, but there, it is nothing compared to heart knowledge. Do you agree, Rabbi Mike?
3: I agree. That's one of the things I've been learning uh, recently: the dangers of having to uh knowledge but not enough wisdom.
2: Amen, amen. So, uh, as the music fades out here, um, John, you want to um, go ahead and take a few minutes and tell us about your tell us your story and. How you started your ministry and what it's about, and uh, I know it's not just to reach out to gay and lesbian and transgendered. I know, I know you're reaching out to just about anybody that's got a need. So, um, why don't you tell us about how you, how you got started? To tell us your life story there, and uh, tell us about it. Tell us about your ministry there as the music fades away.
0: Well, I appreciate it, uh, Johnny. Thank you for having me and giving me an opportunity to, to just share what my life has been and where it's going and what God's doing with it now. Um, well, to start off with Free and Deeds of Ministry, you're right, it, it's an outreach to anybody who has questions about anything that's kind of been devastating in their lives. Um, we specifically target or, or minister to people with same-sex attraction and sexual identity, homosexuality, pornography issues. And uh, the ministry was started to go toward the gay community specifically, and God said, "No, we're going to open this up, and He's really headed it toward the family of faith, because you know in the media, you see the culture war of the church versus uh, the 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 gay agenda and all this other kind of stuff, and they built something that uh, really doesn't exist. <clears throat> and if you really put God in the middle of all that, all the battling stops. But this all came out of, yeah, a life of, um, you know, from whenever I can remember as a kid, uh, I, I had always been same-sex attracted, so that wasn't an issue, at least for me. Um, I, I was sexualized early, you know, around seven years old, had first encounter with man, and grew up knowing that uh, and having other encounters with, with men. Never felt abused or... know, really ashamed of it because it would just seem like something you're supposed to do. Uh, So as I grew up and then hit the teenage years, things got a little bit crazy. Um, Then as I grew out of teenage years, I I joined the Navy. Um, I was actually hunted down and then thrown out of the Navy for homosexual activity. I got married, was married for eight years. I have two wonderful children, four grandchildren. And it's been a crazy life. Uh, I raised my kids uh, on my own. Uh, Their mom was always in the picture. She's always been a friend. Uh, But I had always somebody else in my life as well. Uh, And I was a lot like your friend, uh, Donnie. I was that crazy guy. Um, So my life has been in a whole lot of different places. And God's given me a whole lot of um, grace to to come through what I've lived through and to be able to say that I can now walk in freedom from the, the trappings of a lifestyle that were not a good idea, you know, not healthy. So that's kind of how how my life went. And that's where Free Indeed came in when I moved to, to Oregon. Uh, I was given this, this thought that I should start something for the gay community And it turned into um, getting to know, you know, many, many of the pastors and so forth, and church leadership of Central Oregon and beyond, and then carrying it out, carrying out the mission that we have every day to just reach out and to be a a place of grace, a safe place where anybody can come and share their heart and know that they're not going to be expected to change. They're not going to be expected to do something, to become something, that they're not, because You know what? What we learned and what we know is that Jesus wants you just the way you are. You know, whatever you feel, if you feel you're broken or not, he wants that, and he wants to do with it what he will do. So that's what we're here for.
3: My own experience is that a lot of ministries, basically, like, well, you stop being gay and then come to assessment. To me, like you're saying, no, the Lord wants you to come to him and let him change you from the inside
0: out. Amen. That's the way we reach out to people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. You know, it, there's it, there's so much confusion about what goes on with same-sex attraction and, and how far that goes. And the reason that I use the SSA, same-sex attraction term, is because not everybody who is uh, of that mindset goes out and does anything and becomes or identifies with the gay community. You know, I've met many married men, uh, you know, that are straight, that have kids and all that. They have the attraction. They've never done anything about it. So that's why I think the church has done such a poor job in getting, uh, reaching out to people like this, because all they do is grab a couple of words out of the Bible, shove that, uh, you know, kind of form that hammer as truth, and then beat people over the head with it. So who wants to come and say, hey, I'm having this issue? When you know that all that's waiting for you is is the hammer from hell to to kill you, it's just not right.
2: You mean the abomination abomination hammer?
0: That's the one.
2: Yeah. Uh, so, the, I, yeah. I my understanding is that gay people are like the yeti, like the abominable snowman. <laughs> Pretty
0: much. <laughs>
3: it's a so lot easier it, to capture on film, though. Yeah,
2: you know, I've heard one one time. I heard you say. That, um there's other abominations too like missing, mixing fabrics in the Old Testament and the um,
0: well
3: the, I mean I'll throw on here that I did a little uh, study once a while ago I'm looking for my notes right now but basically what the Bible describes as an abomination is something that involves a breach of faith or a breach of uh, covenant so like adultery is an abomination to God. Uh, homosexuality, yes, but that's also because that was deeply tied into, uh, paganism at the time. Um, you know, idolatry fits into the same, old there it is, uh, an impure sacrifice, uh, any kind of occultism, dishonest business dealings falls into the exact same category. it's kind of interesting, we'll like sort of wink and nudge at uh, dishonest business practices and, you know, get slightly frustrated with them and all that. But, you know, we'll pick on uh, homosexuality as like the sin all day long. That's completely out of balance with what the Bible teaches.
2: You know, um, people, I've noticed this in my 30 years of being a believer, is that people just love to pick on the sins that they don't have. Exactly. You, You know?
3: Yeah. or what they think they
2: don't have <laughs> or what they think they don't have you know um and really. uh, it, they'll go and you know and you notice how they'll stay away from the sins that you know they are dealing with themselves right mm-hmm. and they'll be fire and brimstone and it's really easy to go after the gay people because a lot most people most people are straight so you know that's a they're an easy target for you know Christians that lack understanding
0: right well, that's very true, and what happens is, you know, we we respond in anger and and bring hatred because of fear, and fear mm-hmm. is, is where it all begins, and, you know, the Bible says that he's not given us a spirit of fear, but people who want to, you know, always impress the law on us today, which is not right, because Jesus himself said not to do that, um, but we don't want to discredit or try to discount the fact that the law was righteous and holy, and it was good for what it was good for, and now we're under grace. So, you know, people just love to mix that around. And when it really comes down to, it like puts the gay person or that same-sex attracted person in a blender. It's like, what am I supposed to believe? Are you telling me I'm an abomination? Are you telling me that God loves me? Where are you standing? You know, I, I it, it becomes a disaster when we try to own God's Word and use it as a weapon uh, in the wrong way. If we're not using it for peace and grace and love toward everybody, then we're using it in a way that God, like you just said, Rabbi Mike, that's an abomination because you're not coming for people for their best interest in salvation and, and the kingdom.
3: Right. I mean, obviously, you know, just by my moniker, I'm not anti-law or anti-Torah. But I do think, I don't like the term legalism, but I do find that many people fall into what I'll call ritualism and creedism, where they will sit there and pick some particular subsection of God's commandments and, and that they think they're strong in, and suddenly that's the most important thing. And, you know, they'll pick on people that aren't as strong in that particular area. And I think that Christians in this country really uh, shot themselves in the foot within the cultural war by saying, oh, you know, well, we're, you know, let's point fingers at those sodomites, let's, you know, because they just assumed that, oh, of course, nobody's struggling with homosexuality here. You have to go really low for that. And in the process really wounded a lot of people that were struggling. Um, and, and just to give a little background for the audience here, uh, one of my brothers is gay. Uh, I've got some uh, good friends that are gay, and one of my best friends is uh, transsexual now. And so I'm not speaking from, you know, like sort of a distance here. It's like, you know, for me, it's, it, you know, dealing with these issues is a regular part of my life. Um, and, you know, do I believe that God's commandments are all still valid? Yes. I mean, obviously there are some that can't be kept right now until the temple's rebuilt and so forth, but what disgusts me is people as you put it, so succinctly, using the law as a weapon rather than dealing with their own sin and therefore showing grace to others struggling with their own, using it as a weapon to try to build up
0: their own egos. Right. And to fill in some of the blanks for me for my life, I I was I found the Lord when I was 16. So you can imagine now, so now from uh, zero to 16, I was already involved with, with the lifestyle, or at least, you know, with married men and so forth. Then at 16, found the Lord. And then, uh, as you heard, I got married, had children, then went out into a full-on militant gay lifestyle. I mean, I, was, I very much was one of those guys that if you needed to know anything about why you should approve of me, I was more than happy to tell you. And if you didn't want to listen, I'd make sure that you did. So, you know, but God was still with me. And I and I was one of those people, you know, I was kind of casually listening to, you know, some of the popular preachings uh, of the day, even though I wasn't walking with the Lord, I didn't pretend to be, I didn't try to make myself look like anything but what I thought I was. Uh, And I I got tired of hearing it. I got tired of being told that I was the reason that that hurricane wiped out a city. Are you kidding me? Where is Jesus in all of that? That was bad. It took 30 years for me to come back, for God to work me through and keep me alive through all of that and through all of what I was doing. The wages of sin is death, and we bring that upon ourselves when we go out and find that sin to commit, and so I was looking for my death. God would not let me find it, and he said, I have plans for you, and this is where I am today.
3: Mm-hmm. So there yeah, is hope. I, you know, I will, I'll come around here and say that, you know, in, when judgments fall in this country, they are not falling on it for those who are completely separate from God, they're falling on it for the sins within the church and the synagogue. Okay, Yeshua didn't go and pick on people that were, you know, outside of uh, God's, you know, family entirely. I mean, he didn't sit there and rail on the Samaritan woman or the, you know, tax collector or something like that. He was very graceful to those, recognizing, hey, they are outside and they need to be brought in. What ticked him off was uh, hypocrisy within the body. So, you know, let's go. I, I think you and I are exactly in agreement on this. You know, we need to get away from this thing of, oh. You know, if there's you know, judgment on this country, oh, let's find somebody else to blame. You no, know, I'm f- sorry. There's plenty of sin within the potty that we need to go deal with right now.
2: I, you know, I'd like to totally take it off the rails and go a totally different direction for a couple seconds. Uh, I, I really believe. I think there's really solid, documented evidence that uh, the judgments that come on this nation is when we try to divide the land of Israel. I agree with that. I mean, there's um, proof, yeah. so yeah. much proof. I mean, just yeah. it's not it's I mean, it's so in your face and it's so, you know, oh, every time we make a move that um divides Israel or 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 doesn't help Israel or hurts them, we get a judgment. And uh, that's what I think. I mean, that that's why the judgments are coming. And uh, I know there's probably a lot of people who probably want to disagree with me, but you look into it. There's a few books written on it, and I'm telling you, it is very convincing.
3: Well, yeah. it, here's another. I mean, let's look historically for a second, okay? The Roman Empire had lots of homosexual activity long before the fourth century, but it didn't start to fall apart until the late fourth century, early fifth century. Well, and that was exactly the same time that the church was becoming, you know, popular, that, you know, being a Christian is no big deal, it's becoming popular, it's actually becoming fused with the state. Okay, that's kind of interesting. God held off the judgment until the church became fused with the state. Why? Because the church was then not doing what it was supposed to do. God held off the judgment but until then. Okay, so God's judgments are not based on, primarily, although there are breaking points like Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay, but God's judgments are not based primarily upon what those who are openly pagan do. It's on what the people who claim His name do, uh, especially right. when they're in charge. It makes the difference.
2: I'm taking His name so, you know, in vain.
3: This, yeah, well, that's exactly what it means: is to you know take use His name like it's nothing. Yeah, to take it upon ourselves for nothing. Is I mean the Hebrew literally means to take it upon yourself for nothing. So, I mean, yeah, I agree 100%, John. I think that, you know, this whole thing of picking on homosexuals as if they are the ultimate sinners and the ones that, you know, oh, they're the ones that are bringing the country down. It's like, no. Okay. Uh, Paul makes the point in Romans 1. The spread of homosexual activity is a symptom, not a cause. I, right? I, a symptom I, of a society that's gone sick. It is not the cause of the degradation.
2: Yeah, it could even be uh you know, I don't really believe in the in generational curses under the new covenant, but it may be right. something like that. I mean, I don't know. I mean, what do I know? But I would just like to say that um people say that it's an unnatural sin, but the Bible uh promises us that we will not be tempted by any sin that is not common to man.
3: Well, here's so, the question. Okay. It is common. Unnatural sin. What's a natural sin?
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean people will tell you all day long in the church that, that homosexuality is an unnatural sin. and But the Bible does tell us that we will not be tempted by any sin except that which is common to man. So, well,
3: granted, but you know, just the terminology. It's an unnatural sin. What do you mean by that? The yeah, it's an oxymoron like... By? I mean, you know... It's an oxymoron <laughs> like
2: Jumbo Shrimp or New Age I mean, Christ.
3: You know, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, you know... Uh, it, it's an unnatural sin, yeah? Uh, let's talk about that giant stack of pornography under your bed or on your internet browser. Oh, well, that's natural. That's <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, no, I mean, you know. I mean, <laughs> an unnatural sin is the one I don't have a problem with. <laughs>
2: well, no, what they'll tell you is I'm just saying what they'll tell you. I'm not- <laughs> I
3: know, I know, I know. I'm not picking on you, I'm picking on the concept.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. You know, they would say, well, a natural sin, you should be naturally attracted to women. So if you're lusting after women, that's natural. But if you're lusting after men, that's unnatural. (laughs) And that would make sense except for the verse where it says, you will not be tempted of any sin except for that which is common to man. Mm -hmm. Right? That's right. Homosexuality is not an uncommon to man sin.
0: (laughs) It's it's uh, not uncommon to God. God, and this is where people need to understand. It's not our knowledge of sin that makes any difference in this whole picture. It's God's knowledge of sin. He knew what sin was. He knew what he came here for. He knew what he died for. And he knew that he was crushed for our sin. Then we come along and we try to tell people what the value of their sin is so that they can receive the value of Christ that just covers that. And that's where the, the church has gone off the rails. And it's, it's terrible. Because if mm-hmm. we only approach a life and not a lifestyle, a person and not their sin, I'm not here to, to, to preach anybody's to, to their sin. I'm here to tell them about the love of Jesus. And that's what goes, goes back to what you said, Johnny. The sin is common to man. God knows man. It's common to him. That's why he told us to love the sinner. And to bring them to knowledge of His love, Amen. And, and, and we let people
3: get, uh, you know, trapped into a uh, mindset. Um, I know one young lady uh, in her teens. Who you know admitted to me that she's struggling with you know this uh, with being attracted to young women her age, and I happen to know that that's not an uncommon thing to go through. You know, for some people it becomes a permanent thing, for others it's a phase. Uh, and my thing to her is like, okay, look, you know, understand that in the ancient world—I mean, I'm a student of history—that's not considered unusual or anything. I mean, like the Romans pretty much considered everyone to be by.
2: Oh yeah. The Persians I said, What were you big. don't
3: want to do, it, you know, if you're struggling with that, if you're it, in that like bit, okay, fine. You know, the, the fact that you are struggling with that, the fact that you're feeling that is not the sin. Okay. I just think that you don't need to be sexually active with anyone at this point, because you're still a teenager for crying out loud, you know, whether you're hetero or uh, whatever. But what I said to her is like, what you don't want to do is let that become a core part of your identity. Yeah. And I think that where uh, one of the things that is um problematic in American society today is that we pretty much force anyone who has same-sex attraction, and I love the way you put that by the way John, yeah, into this idea that they must now identify as that and build their life around it. Could you could you comment on that a little bit?
0: Yeah, you're exactly right on. Um that you know, it's what we identify with and more and more, you know, the kids are taught that like you just said, if they even have a thought, then, oh, let's identify you with that. In fact, let's take it further and let's put you in a program that's going to change you when you get older. And it's very insidious, that way of thinking. And it, and it does take some steps. And We can go down that road if you want to later. But to tell her that this is a, a part of the process of growth, I think is I know is right. To not bring it into your life and identify it is right. Because there's a lot of guys out there that I've met, and women, they also had sex with an adult when they were children. They call that molestation. And Mm -hmm. the people did did not identify with it as adults. One of my best friends was, he had sex for like six years with a guy, and he's as straight as they can come. Well, not like you, Johnny, but close. (laughs) That'll never happen with me, baby. (laughs) (laughs) But you won't be a 10 year old ever again. Uh, But no, but it's what we identify with. It's what 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 there was something different in my mind and heart that I identified with it. And it became something that I thought was me versus my friend, or perhaps even this young lady who's saying, I went through something, but I don't identify with it. I didn't take it in as part of me. And I reject it today. And I'm okay. You know, we have to remember that this does go on. This, And that's why we're, people, I'll tell you, the number one people who screw this up are straight people because they don't get it. And because they don't get it, they try to create a society that they say, well, here, gay person, here, same-sex attracted person, we not only want to let you know we get it, but we're going to make all these concessions for you. We're going to try to create a utopia for you. The straight world has laid it out in front of me. And I didn't have to ask for a thing. Why? Because they're trying to show me that they get what I'm going through or what I feel. And they don't. I have news for you, yeah. They don't get it. And everything you lay out for me, hey, I wouldn't vote for it, but I'll take it. You know, I mean, you're a fool.
3: Well, let me ask you something, because uh, I was reading an article uh, the other day talking about the you know alleged peace po- process in the Middle East, and it actually put out – uh, all this, you know, racial conciliation that could be around the world as being inherently racist, because it's basically about oh, we you need a white man to come in and, um, you know, mediate between you to show you how to live in peace, and the way you were just describing the whole thing of you know, uh, straight people trying to set up a. Oh, you need a straight person to come in and make your life easy so that you can live in peace. The gay person—it occurs to me that there's some, there's a bit of that ar- same arrogance
0: in that. Uh, d- am I uh, missing the boat on that? Am I stretching the comparison? No, I think that's that's pretty good. I just, I, and it's so subtle and people don't get mm-hmm. it. And then what has happened, just to take that the next step, is the people who didn't believe that are now beginning to believe that. So mm-hmm. you have. Church starting to come around and go, Well, maybe they really are you know, people like John really were born that way and that that it's that's what we need to go ahead and accept this and then we need to now we need to love. But now that love has been just like in the in the peace talks, that has been twisted into something that you you've gone even further from the truth. And it's it's quite an amazing a stretch. The, the way the, the enemy of this world works, you know, the twists and turns. But the beauty of it is, you know, that the Bible says that if we seek him, he will make our path straight. The reason for that is because the enemy likes to twist and turn our path. We're warned about that in Isaiah, you know. So if you think about that, we don't have to go to and fro if we just stick to a straight path to the Father. And, 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 That's why free indeed is here, because I'm out there trying to tell the church, let me tell you, let me give you a perspective from someone who knows the enemy's uh, lies, I can lay out the battle plan and get you back to the truth of love. And the truth of love is, I don't need you to accept me, uh, to accept my sex. I need you to accept me. And that's where it's gotten confused. Everybody Mm -hmm. wants to be accepted for the physical action that they're doing. that to, to me, we use the word homosexual or homosexuality as a verb. That's what you're doing when you're engaged in sex with a person of the same gender. So we don't want, I don't want to talk about what somebody's doing in bed. I want to talk about what they're doing, what who they are as people. But it's just gotten so twisted and the church is now falling in line and not even realizing that they're embracing the verb, in an effort to embrace the person. Yeah, you, you know. Uh, yeah, I, I think you're exactly wrong.
2: That. God, love, God loves the man, and hates the sin.
0: Well, the sin is what keeps us separated from God. Yeah, that's so why it doesn't. You know, like you said, it doesn't matter what it is. So God's saying, okay, well, I want to. For, I want you to. You're already forgiven. That's another thing that people forget. We are already forgiven. And when people uh-huh. kind of look at me sideways, I'm like, well, when did Jesus die? It was over 2,000 years ago. So obviously, our sins are already future because we're future people, past, present, and future. It's all done. So if all you have to do is accept that forgiveness, and now we'll take, now God will take you and make you in the person you want to be and the, that he wants you to be and create in you and to bring to life the new creation that is there. And it, they mm-hmm. get, it's twisted around sex. Well, let's take that wrapper that off of it, get to the heart, and say, now live. Now let's set your sex aside. Okay, you like boys? Great. Let's set that aside. Leave your boyfriend at home for tonight. Let's talk about what Jesus wants for you. That's what we want to do. And that's a tough thing because there's not a lot of churches that are open to hearing me say that and go, oh, that, what? <laughs> you want me right. to tell them Jesus when we know they've got a boyfriend at home yeah and then I want you to invite him to coffee and breakfast and to meet your kids next mm-hmm. you
3: know <laughs> no I, I hear you there um, the seems to me I mean not uh, going into too much detail you know I got into pornography when I was in my teenage years like a lot of people did And, of course, the Internet came out when I was uh, just turning into adulthood and, you know, that, you know, there's a uh, uh, half parody, half true song. The Internet is for porn. And so I went through a phase and, you know, it struck me the other day as I was thinking about this is I saw guys with other fetishes, shoe fetishes, whatever, that were just as much consumed with it as, you know, someone who is gay. And I can't imagine somebody who you know I can't imagine a Christian reaching out to somebody who had a you know major foot fetish or what have you and making that like the central part of no you must give that up first you would want to reach the person with you know the Messiah with Christ first and trust that the Holy Spirit was going to transform the lives. but it, you're right I mean it really does come down because of the cultural world that uh all too often in you know Christians are ready to make the person give up their homosexuality as a prerequisite to right. meeting the living Christ. And that's completely backwards. I mean, there's no other sin that you expect that the person gives up before they come to salvation. And yet homosexuality we've allowed ourselves to be, you know, pigeonholed that way.
2: <coughs> yeah. You You're know
0: right. delay there. I got a cough, so I'm trying I'd, not to
2: cough. I'd kinda, kinda like to I'd kinda like to um play the I don't know. I kind of like to play the hard guy for a second and what, what kind uh, of- see how you deal with that. Um the problem I got one problem with the gay community and that is um they want us to approve of what they do and approve of our lifestyle. And while I know that, you know, butt butt is a sin and I don't want you know I'm not gay one tiny bit but you know I'd like to have a room full of cocaine and Mexican girls to live in and I'm not I'm not sure not asking anybody to approve of that lifestyle I you know what you know that that's you know that's that, that's the, that's my temptation and it's never going to happen but I think about it in my mind you know and that's that's a sin I don't want anybody to approve of that so that's one problem I've got. What do you, what do you, how do you, what do you think about that? What, how do you deal with something like that, that kind of an opinion?
0: Well, I think – well, obviously it's a fair opinion, and it's, it, it is part of the culture war. But you have to understand, this mentality, this movement has been pushed by the straight community. Because if you take the, the statistics, let's say, say on the high end, that 10% of the world, of the, of the United States is gay. That means 90% isn't. There's no way that the 10% got to this point of trying to push you into anything. There had to be a whole lot of the 90% that said, hey, we're, we're going to push that you should be liked and loved. And that was working. But then it turned into, well, uh, now you have to approve of my sex, And that became the flashpoint, and it was actually very very uh, well-ordered the way way it all came out. I don't think that we really want you or the gay community really cares if you approve of our sex. The idea was that because we're gay, we have sex with the same gender, but we're looking for equality in other ways. I can tell you that when I was uh, hunted and arrested in the Navy— just for touching a guy's, you know, what, uh, that was bad. Radical. Yeah. But I also knew that if I was driving with a friend, we didn't want to be pulled over by a police officer because you didn't know what could happen because it could. Yeah. I know that I, I, know that I was picked up in a bar and a guy said, come on, let's go somewhere. It'll be, you know, I can't let anybody know because uh, I'm not, you know, nobody knows I like this. And he beat me. And he tried to kill me, and I—the Lord got me out of that alive, uh, damaged but alive.
2: He's one of those guys who like, "I'm going to go kill me a queer." Yep. And he found. found, Wow, that's scary.
0: Yeah, but I lived through it, obviously, and God brought me out with with minor damage. Well, broken jaw and some other damage, but. Whoa. uh, Point being it's not about accepting our sex. It's uh, the, the sex of gay sex. It's about accepting us as people that have same sex with another of our gender. I want to be able to go and and be with my lover in the hospital. I want to be able to have a job. I want to be without getting fired for it. And trust me, in this country, you can still get fired for it. So that's where it all came from. And then, then, then again, if I upset you with, accept our sex, if I do it long enough, the media will keep it in front of the people long enough for them to desensitize to it, so then I can move the agenda a little further. And now we're to the point of accepting gay marriage. Well, see how not, that
3: works? Yeah, well, that's not that's, everything.
2: We're desensitized to all kinds of things.
3: Well, right? and, and I see a couple of things at play here. Um, yes, there has been some... Uh, grossly unfair things set up in the legal system that discriminate discriminate against people who uh, with same sex attraction. Um, you know, it, like for example, not recognizing them as family with the hospital ICUs, um, yeah. You know, uh, uh, targeting them out more so than you know other sins and so forth. And, you know, I, I was talking to one person who was like, well, it's unfair that, you know, we should be allowed to get married because it's unfair that, you know, uh, you know I can't leave an inheritance to uh, my partner without it being taxed by someone who's uh, heterosexual I'm like, okay, so how about if we revamp the tax code instead of redefining a thousands-year-old institution that's pretty much universal there? On the other side of it, Um, I quite frankly see an agenda being pushed for the deliberate purpose of, you know, sort of invoking the civil rights movement of the 60s to deliberately set up uh, Christianity and to a large extent uh, Judaism on the quote-unquote wrong side of history. It's deliberately being pushed as a weapon to try to attack people of faith um, and, you know, basically say, look, you you have to repudiate the Bible or you're bigoted. And I think that you know again you're right you know the I mean the CDC recently released studies showing that maybe two point one percent of the population is homosexual, even if you say that's too low and you know it should be doubled that's still pretty low it's uh the whole thing of trying to push that as a cultural tsunami to try to uproot the judeo Christian values of the country that has to be driven by people who aren't gay who aren't you know, prone to same-sex attraction, who have an agenda that is inherently anti-biblical, it has nothing to do with rights or something. Yeah, it, you know, basically, gay people are being used as a tool in this whole thing. Not This is not actually being pushed for what they want.
0: You're right. And I want to make sure it's clear that I'm not here to promote um, what's considered the, the gay agenda, the media, the culture war out there. Um, we're not a political party, and I don't get into all of that. Um. I think you should vote with your heart and through your prayers. Um, but but we are. And it's, you know, when you're a victim of something, you can be a victim of everything. And that's how the people of the gay community have been used as pawns for this and that. And then, and then they fight for a, a right, like you said, of the inheritance or whatever. You know, it's just gotten so crazy. And this is what has uh, split so many denominations, you know. But if you look at denominational splits, it's huge. You know, like the Presbyterians recently were three to one to go with the gay agenda, the full acceptance of of everything, same-sex attracted in the pulpit and so forth and so on. So there is a rise in the culture. And I think that this brings us to a point where we say, well, is this really—are these people—are they followers of Christ? Do they— take the Bible and go with Jesus, what he says, and at all costs will follow him? Or mm-hmm. do they like the familiarity of Christ and the fact that he could get him in heaven and we're going to do the best, we're kind of going to still do what we want to do? You know, it's all wrapped up in very delicate, pretty paper, but you got to see through it, but you got to see through it in love and grace and bring those people to the mind of Christ. Because I'm telling you, with the mind of Christ, the renewing of our minds, the rethinking and through what the, what the gospel will do, um, you can walk in freedom. And mm-hmm. it's not a matter of, of just stopping sex. It's a matter of wanting to be righteous before a righteous God. If you think about it, if I said, as soon as this show is done, everybody in America is going to be sexually pure, that means that only the married people would have sex tonight. Nobody else. And then you'd have it right. Well, the straight people don't want to give that up. They don't want to have <laughs> laws that block that. They don't want to have any impositions that block that. That's why they've changed the rules and laws on divorce and what's cheating and what's this and what's that. You see? Yeah, and adultery is not a crime in America. Right. Well, but, and to carry that, who do you need to carry and help you change the societal thinking? You need somebody who's a victim or at least considered lower than you. So you go, hey, gay guy, gay people, buddy up with us because we're going to change it to where we'll be like Germany and we'll open up these uh, these uh, bestiality farms all over town and all over the country. And it'll be legal and it'll be great. You have to, you know, <laughs> strange bedfellows. Uh, but mm-hmm. I think you're right, uh that, that it is because they don't embrace the word, because they don't know the word. And we've gone so far in trying to tell the, the – the, the, and I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but let me just use just language that works. The real conservative Christians have just tried to hold on to the word. They have tried to own God, to possess him and it's their voice that says, this is how much God you get, and unless you do this, we will wield him against you, and people are sick of that. They want to know about the love of this Jesus that there is. They want hope. They want something that means something other than what you say it has to mean over there, and that's the battle going on now. Believe it or not, I find that there are more people, especially in the gay and and non-church community, that reach out to us, that come to us, because we can show that God does love gays, and we are proof of that, and that he doesn't care where you're at. Certainly, we don't care where you're at. Right now, it's time for you to know Jesus, and we'll walk with you for as long as you want to get into the relationship that, that you want to have with him. That's the way uh-huh. it's supposed to be ordered.
2: The only way you end up becoming almost sinless is having such a deep love for Jesus. You just don't want to hurt his feelings.
0: Exactly. And that's what grace does. And they've overused grace. If grace does not compel you to live right, then you are not in a grace way of thinking. You don't understand what it is. But uh-huh. this goes back to another thing we teach. You have to believe right before you can ever, ever live right.
3: Oh,
2: yeah.
0: And the church well, so wants I, it the other way around.
3: Well, and, I, and one of the things that the church needs to start getting... I mean, I think part of the problem that you see is that for a long time, the assumption in America was that everyone, unless they were Jewish <laughs> uh, or, or a very small minority, was Christian. And therefore, when you see these... Uh, I'll just put them under the blanket of liberal agendas that's seen as, an, atta- that's seen as the, a, an apostasy within the body. I think we need to get out of this mindset of identifying the nation as automatically Christian and therefore a departure from biblical values as automatically being an apostasy within the body. I think we need to start recognizing that. Look, okay, in terms of the cultural war, in terms of being the uh, voting majority, okay we're not that anymore and that's okay it's not the first time it's happened in history it won't be the last unless the lord comes really really soon um we need to be able to recognize that hey what goes on in the world does not it should not be a discouragement to us in the body you know paul makes his point in first uh, corinthians chapter 5 i wrote You, in my letter, not to associate with immoral people, I didn't at all mean the immoral people of this world, or with the covetous or the swindlers or with the adulterers, for then you'd have to go out of the world. But actually, I wrote to you not to associate with any so-called brother if he's an immoral person, or covetous, or an idolater, or a reviler, or a drunkard, or a swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what have I got to do with judging outsiders? Do you not judge those who are within? But you, those who are outside, God judges." Remove the wicked man from among yourselves. And unfortunately, I think that because we got so used to this idea of being a Christian country, the church has spent far more of its time judging people who are outside of the true church, the true kingdom of God, the true community of those who are twice born, and start passing judgment on everyone as if they were in the body. And it's like, no, we need to make sure that those in the body are pure. And, you know, to those in the body, we need to exhort and rebuke and, and so forth. To those who are outside, we need to love. You know, it's not our job to sit there and, you know, when somebody is, you know, living a homosexual lifestyle, they are obviously, you know, especially when we are talking about, like, multiple partners per night and that kind of thing, they're obviously, you know, outside of God's body. That's the kind of person we need to love. But we need to focus on making sure that those inside the church, inside the synagogue, are those who are walking pure as the example? Instead, we do it the other way around. It seems like. Hey,
2: could you could you read that verse again? Because I want to deal with that.
3: Sure, it's uh, First First Corinthians chapter five, starting at verse nine, and I'm reading from the New American Standard. I wrote to you, I wrote you in my letter not to associate with immoral people. I did not at all mean with the immoral people of this world, or with the covetous, or the swindlers, or with the idolaters. For then you'd have to go out of the world. Actually, I wrote to you not to associate with any so-called brother if he's an immoral person, or covetous, or an idolater, or a reviler, or a drunkard, or a swindler. Don't even eat with such a one. Okay. But what have I to do with judging outsiders? Do you not judge those who are within the church? But those who are outside, God judges. Remove the wicked man from among yourselves.
2: Okay, now, the adulterer, the swindler, the reviler, the covetous. Now, those aren't people that are struggling with those issues, those are people who have accepted those issues and said... And decide
3: they're justified in them, yes.
2: Exactly. So, I mean, there's a huge difference there that we have to acknowledge. I mean, that's so important, you know, because we all are struggling with sin, all of us. And even if you're to the point where you're almost sinless, you got pride that's creeping in there. And uh, you get puffed up with head knowledge, You know, I mean, it's almost impossible to become sinless. So, um, but yeah, I mean, if you're saying I'm a swindler and it's okay, I'm going to still be a Christian, and I think Jesus accepts that I'm a swindler. I think He approves of that. You know, I mean,
3: it's more subtle than that. I know, I
2: know, but there's a difference. I'm reading a book
3: right now uh, called "The Beat of Satan" by uh, John Bevere, and his. The point of the book is pointing out how people in the church get offended and then hold onto that fence and will you know won't even let it die of old age and use that as justification for you know running from church to church for being bitter for you know slandering each other and everything else okay and he's looking at what's happening in the body why you have so many people that just seem to you know migrate from church to church to church. Okay, that's what Paul's talking about. Because a person who's a swindler is not going to be like, "Yeah, I'm a swindler, man." I mean, not usually. He usually has some justification in his mind as to why it's okay that he does it in these instances where he's done it. Okay,
2: same difference. Same difference. We all justify our own sin. Yeah, yeah. We all. I remember I was on an Iron Show. I had John listen to that one. It's Iron Show Forty Five. Love, not hate. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and in that, you know, in that Iron Show, I was like, you know, you know, we we like to we like to lie to ourselves. I mean, uh, I said, Rick, you, do you ever lie to yourself And he's quiet for a second? He goes, uh, uh only every chance I get. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> That's something we all need to work on. What I, I one thing I would like one thing I would like to go after John about. I'm gonna I'm gonna slap them around a little bit. Um, Go for it. Uh, one thing I would like to say to gay people is that, um, and they're practicing lifestyle is that. I mean, I feel like apologizing for the word. I mean, I do because, and I know maybe that's wrong, you know. But you know, I'd like to say to the gay person that's you know doing their gay sex and in their that lifestyle. Um, who wants to be a Christian and stuff, um, or are a Christian, I'd just like to say that I'm sorry, but the Bible is very clear. Uh, homosexual sex, I mean, it's a sin just like any other sin. And I wish it wasn't. I wish I could tell you it's okay. But, I mean, to accept homosexual sex as part of being a Christian, you would have to rip quite a few pages out of your Bible. And I just feel like apologizing to them because I wish I could tell them it's okay. I mean, I wish I could tell a lot of people things are okay, but they're not. And, you know, I'm sorry, but, you know, the word is the word. I mean, there's a lot of things in there that go against me and my desires too. And uh, I wish they were okay, but they're not. You know, and I'm sorry, but that's the way it is. What do you think of that, John? John?
0: Well, you don't. Well, obviously, I'm going to say you don't have to ever apologize for the word, right? Because you know the beauty of God is that He's not afraid to show the messiness of His beloved. Uh, look, i mean, read through the lineage of Christ and all of these people. There were murderers and rapists, and <laughs> I mean, it's just like, oh my God!
2: Oh, his great-great-grandma was a harlot, Rahab.
0: Yeah, I mean, He puts yeah. all that. He,
3: is
0: that a gentile. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh wait, wait, I know what you're doing. So here's but here's the thing. And and by the way, I, I want to make sure that people understand too that I'm not beating up on the church because I love my the church of Jesus, the the, the body of Christ, the, the bride of Christ is is a blessed and a wonderful gift and I operate in that uh, nature and you guys are part of the body. I operate with you and live for this. Uh, but I, 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 what I see is a trend of people kind of going the way you are, but then they also want to have an acceptance. So it's like I want to tell you you're wrong, but I want you to know you're accepted. Well, you, you at first, you can't get away with that. You have to first let me know I'm accepted, and then God will show me that I'm wrong. Right. If I, if if we're going to have a conversation, if I trust you. I'm going to tell you about myself, not that you wouldn't already know it, let's assume. So at that point, like your friend Donnie, if he had said, well, what do you think of me? What do you think of me being gay? Well, I always turn that question back to them and say, well, what do you think I think of you? And find out their actual heart. What is their concept of your level of Christianity? Are you the good guy or the bad guy, the judgmental or the loving? So I think the word speaks for itself, yes, Um, but I don't, I don't make it a point to point that out. I am with you that we never, ever, ever have to give up on any biblical integrity, period. But I also don't have to have a, a little tract that I got from church that says how to witness to people and check off the boxes. And if the last one says they said the prayer of salvation, if I don't have that, then I'm a failure, so... I better blast them dead. <laughs> yeah. you, you didn't come to Christ. You're going to hell because you're fagged. Oh, well, that was just... <laughs> Sorry, you-
2: I
3: shouldn't yeah. laugh. That was funny. That's- well, that makes you up the symptom and the cause. I mean...
0: <laughs> yeah. That's people have witnessed to me. Uh, uh, you know, it's amazing. And, and I was already saved, but I already knew what was going on. But, but you know, uh, people tell me how they want to witness. And I go, okay... You can witness to me. You have one minute to tell me about your God and why I should follow him. Can I Go. do it?
2: Can I do it? You can. Let me speak. Per- let me speak personally to the gay person out there that's listening. Boy, I get a terrible list. Next time I'll have teeth. This is my last toothless iron <laughs> show. Um, <clears throat> personally, from my heart, let me talk to you from my heart as a straight Christian, you know, and. Um, let me let me speak right from my heart how i honestly really feel and you know if it gets me in trouble so be it but i'm going to tell you what i really what comes from my heart and in my heart let me tell you gay person I, personally i don't care what you do in your bedroom you don't offend me you don't offend me and even though the bible speaks against it personally me i know i'm a sinner And I don't judge you. And I really don't care what you're doing. But Jesus loves you. I mean, and it's not just a saying. He is real. And he really loves you. And if you want a relationship with a man, you need to call on Jesus. Because he's the only one that really loves you. He's the only man that really loves you. He's the only one that will fill that aching, empty hole in your heart. And um eventually, um, you may come to realize he will show you what is and what isn't uh, the kind of behavior that um, should be in the relationship with him. He will tell you how to live, but he won't be telling you how to live. He will be changing your heart from the inside slowly and it may take a long time there are people who come to jesus and they are absolute angels right at the moment of the sinner's prayer when they invite jesus into their heart but there are people like me and it takes years years to mold you into halfway decent human so i just wanted to tell you that i don't judge you and i don't care what you do and you need to get close to jesus you need to invite him into your heart. And really, that's the beginning of the en- and the end of what I have to say to you.
0: Well, that's fantastic because I would listen to you. And I'll tell you, and I want to just continue that to the audience. You said that it took a long time or it can take a long time as God molds your heart and brings you. Because it's our desire for him that brings us, as he gives us the desire of our heart, it's toward him. And, of course, we still have our free will. But, you know, Johnny, I, I spent almost 30 years away from uh, seeking after a relationship with him. But he never left me. He never left my side. I was still in his presence because he is an almighty God. Too much, and what I try to teach people is, don't be so full of churchianity that you lose your Christianity, Because the rules of your denomination mean nothing to the kingdom. But the love of Christ means everything to all of heaven. And if you're here to to show that gay person or whoever the love of Christ, then you you know, I would say we we don't want to condemn people away from God and we don't want to love them into their death or accept them into their death. What we mean by that is, you know, to... uh, say no I don't want to deal with you until you change because God hates you that's just cruel and I think there's a, a punishment for that but but over accepting too is just as bad. It's it's you know, because you accept somebody into their spiritual and physical death. There just, is a place in between and that's where the cross is, where you just put it. And if people know that, that their creator would rather die for them than live without them for eternity. He did. He came and he literally sh- let his body be shred and died a mass on a cross. Unrecognizable as human. So that you could have the right to be who you are and give that right to him to become who you're supposed to be. So stay with your boyfriend or girlfriend. Let God help you. Let him show you. Once you've know that God's listening to you and loves you, then your people are then free to ask God the hard questions and face a difficult truth. And that's what he wants to do for all of us. And he's so loving and so gentle, he'll never turn away for as long as it takes for you to get to that place with him.
2: Hey Amen. I would like to back you up with some scriptures, um, right off you know, right off the top of my head. I don't have them in front of me, but I met Jay Vernon McGee in, in 1986, and uh, it's one of the only things I can brag about. And uh, he did a speech on uh, Philippians one through six, um, or one Philippians one one to six, uh, or is it Philippians one six. Anyway, um, that was his life verse, and the verse is. Uh, <clears throat> um. Say the verse, uh, Rabbi Mike. I, I'd like you because I know you can say it better than me. I'm
3: sorry. Philippian, which verse?
2: Philippians, 1-6. <coughs> Philippians one six. Philippians one six. Yeah, yeah. I'd rather really, Rabbi Mike just read it right out. I'm thinking I'm going to do that for my other ones too. I'll have Rabbi Mike dig them up, but. Um, <laughs> There's, it's total hope in Philippians 1.6. And you should carry that right next to your heart all the time.
3: All right. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus.
2: Amen. Amen. Right. And also, Jesus said, um, behold, I, I stand at the door in the, and knock. And um, And, he, you know, he's knocking on your door right now. And he'll come, and he says, I'll come in and, and 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 hang out with you. You know, and how many times have I been in a horrible spot? And I was like, Jesus, will you come and hang out with me? I'm so lonely. And you know, I messed up too. And I'm coming down off of Mofo and I got ghosts picking on me. Will you please come and hang out with me and chase them away? And man, he has done that for me every time. I'm so grateful. We have so much to be thankful for. Another thing that I would, one more verse that I would like to say is, Jesus says, them who come unto me, I will in no wise cast out.
0: Amen. That's good stuff. Hey,
3: John, let, let me run something past you here because it's sort of a personal observation and I think you're in a good position to be able to either, uh, you know, confirm it or tell me where I'm just dead wrong on this. But um, statistically speaking, uh, there have been studies done that show that uh, someone who is uh, homosexual is seven times more likely to have been molested already when they were a kid. And I can, t- I can say that in those who are in my life that, I, that are gay, where I know enough of their background. It is a very common thing. I'm not going to say it's universal because I don't know everyone's backstory enough to be able to say that. But it is very, very common that I see that there is some element of molestation in the background. I'm not going to say that's for everyone. But is it your experience that that is a very common element? And is it that part of what we're dealing here with same-sex attraction is a response to trauma? where it's a, it's a symptom of having been traumatized when they're younger and, and dealing with it that needs to be dealt with? Or am I just off base here?
0: Well, the statistics come out of people who talk to people. So we don't know um, really how many people have been molested, that it didn't affect, because they don't kind of factor that in. Uh, mm-hmm. But going, going into the, the same-sex attracted... I'm sure that it's quite a bit, um, like I explained earlier, you know, when, when I was sexualized as a child, I did not see it as molestation because it, for me, I d- identified with it as being good. So if you had asked me, were you molested as a child, I would have told you no, uh, because it just felt right. It was a good thing and people were always nice to me. So I, that's kind of that thinking. It is prevalent, though, I'm, I'm sure. Um, you know, what's amazing is it's usually straight men that are doing it because they're uh, acting out on something that they know that they can control this child or they know that the child would right. feel shame to right. say I, to I, I wasn't
3: saying, yeah, no, I was not going the route of saying, you know, of uh, turning around and uh, trying to find something else to blame the uh, gay community on in that one. Oh, I was no. well
0: aware of that fact. No, I didn't take it that way, but yes, I know that there's a lot of that, uh, But and at the same time, it's not necessarily that brokenness that takes us into the, that lifestyle or takes us to the same-sex attractedness. Uh, I think that it's already there. Uh, I think that because even though we can't identify when it started, uh, that's why you hear the argument, well, I've always been this way because I don't have a start date. Like I can't pinpoint the, the first day like I the first time I smoked crack and I can tell you that date. Well, now I know. But this is something that's kind of been there all along. So, mm-hmm. it, you know, it goes kind of both ways. But if there is that brokenness, then it needs to be healed. And what this does, uh, Rabbi Mike, is when you've experienced that brokenness, you then try to replace it. And then as we grow older... We try to find it in somebody else, and we lose track of the fact that we're trying to find the piece that's missing the piece of right. we, we often call it masculinity, but it really might be um, you know part of, uh, of some other part of you it's not your masculinity that's missing, but um, you've over overdone something, and so we reach out and try to fill that void with sex. We sexualize everything to fill the void, mm-hmm. then we also look at. Um, super straight guy Johnny and go that guy has just got it all he's the form of masculinity that I wish I was so I want to try to have sex and if he says yes then I can receive that uh, that affirmation from him that I'm masculine enough to be like him and so we consume it and you know the Bible says that Satan goes around consuming those that he will well this is part of that consumption so we're bringing in death, trying to consume death into our lives without realizing it to fill our lives with life. And then when that person's gone, it's over. So that kind of goes a whole lot of different directions. You can believe that it's, there's a lot of uh, that sort of brokenness because of molestation. Um, you know, where it takes a person is anybody's guess from there,
3: really. Well, I mean uh, I, that is a difficult line. I mean, is it only molestation if it's immediately perceived as trauma by the uh, young person in question? I don't necessarily think so. Um, I know of uh, circumstances where you've had where there are girls just barely um, pubescent you know just barely hitting into that and then uh, they were got into something with an older guy okay uh you know not just like a year or two like much older like you know virtually adult is like okay how where do you draw the line on that one is I, I realize that the definition is not very clean cut um uh, my my question was more on the lines of okay is there a, is there a link there and you're not sure yourself so I, I won't pursue that further and ask you to speak scientifically about, you know, and, and try to put, you know, the plural of anecdote is not data. <laughs> and so I don't <laughs> want to put you in that position. Um, but it, it was just something that occurred to me both in some of the studies I read and in some of my personal interactions. So I was just curious on your thoughts on that one. I, I didn't mean to put you in a corner or try to uh, – I don't want to try to summarize it as simplistic. Oh, well, every single person. I'm just curious if it was
0: a common denominator that you'd come across. Hey, uh... Well, oh, like ahead. I said, though, the, the common denominator is that a lot of uh, gay kids uh, are sexualized young. So I'll say mm-hmm. that. So yeah. whatever you want to call that, yes, that is prevalent. I mean, even if you okay. go to junior high or even younger, and if the kid is already identifying as gay, if you really get to know him, chances are they're very close to or already have experienced something sexually that affirms what they think. Or what they're trying okay. to be. Hey, so I'll, I'll put that
3: way. I mean, and that actually does answer my question perfectly. Thank you. Yeah, I, like I mean, that. a
2: lot of that the kid is is more responsible than the adult. I know, just speaking from my own personal experience. You know, I wanted to get Cat uh, Catwoman alone in a room when I was five years old, watching Batman. And that wouldn't have been Johnny's getting raped. That would have been Johnny's getting some.
3: <laughs> oh, wait, 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 wait. Which cat
2: <laughs> Uh, oh, um, uh, n- The first one. The first one. I can't say her name. Uh, <laughs> her? I can't say her name. But anyway, hey, uh, why don't we look We're we got about we got a ways to go here. So why don't we take a break, get a cup of tea, whatever, kick back, gather our thoughts. And uh, I'm going to play. I don't know. I got a wild hair going on here. So I'm going to play you Johnny singing or uh, rather screaming uh, in 1983 uh, uh, I was the front man for the guard and we were doing the song called Caves take you back to the dark days way before fast cars and Kool-Aid take you back to the stone age where men lived in caves come on here it is (laughs) Johnny boy, Geddy Lee ate your heart out, nailing them high notes. Oh, oh yeah, baby. <laughs> Can I still do it? We'll find out when we record the album. Oh yeah, if I got my boys back in here. I think they ran. I think they ran away. Hello, guys.
3: I had the mute button on so I could, you know, sip water and cough freely back here without messing up your music and turn it off again.
2: Hey, nice. That's very kind of you. (laughs) Yes. Where's my where's my button? Where's my button here? Oh, that's so nice. You're so
0: polite.
1: Oh, dear. Oh, John,
0: are you there? I'm here. What's up?
2: What's
0: up? Oh,
2: yeah! <laughs> oh, I felt that one. Thank you.
0: here. I'm queer. Get used to it. <laughs> can, uh,
1: can you do the quiet, Johnny? How about the quiet, John? Oh. <laughs> hey. <laughs> you know... You're not man enough to play with me. Oh dear.
2: <laughs> oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh yeah! It takes a real man to do quiet, Johnny. I'm telling you what, baby. Oh uh, uh, yeah! Actually, I, you know, I have bipolar mania. I'm clinically diagnosed with bipolar mania. Bipolar mania, for those who don't know, is actually. um split personalities you know know, i mean i was telling the doctor i was like you know you know i don't have split personalities
1: (laughs) i don't know what she was talking about oh dear
2: As the music fades away as we gather our thoughts to plow into the next 24 minutes
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> all right um I would like to uh, like, right come right out and ask you about your theology um uh, do you promote the gay lifestyle as a Christian?
0: Is that for me or Rabbi Mike? Alright! <laughs> oh, that was a good one.
2: I couldn't do any better than that. that was really good. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that was great. That's the You're on the Iron Show now, baby. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Rabbi Mike, are you transgendered? Only in my... Rabbi by Mike, are you?
1: Are you a woman trapped in a man's body? <laughs>
3: no, I'm a Vulcan trapped in a human's body. But you know, that's not... all <laughs> telling you that you know people. You know, I want my pointed ears, darn not it?
2: <laughs> people talk about identity crisis. You know, I I wonder sometimes if I'm human. <laughs> that's my problem. <laughs> but <laughs> go back to the um, go back to the main question. I mean, you're not here promoting gay sex as a Christian. That's not your thing, that, right?
0: That is not what we do. Right.
2: Oh, you're so, fading away. Get closer to your mic. Is or...
0: that better? Yeah. Much better. Yeah. Uh, yeah,
2: baby. I got you now. Got you right where I want you. On the Iron
0: Show. Without teeth. I love it.
2: I know, man. This is my last <coughs> session without teeth. So. Okay, but so... No, we're- we're well, not here to promote well,
0: gay sex or anything.
2: Else. Okay, wait a minute. I interrupted you. I walked all over you. Okay, go.
0: I said no. We're not here to promote uh, gay sex. No. Um, and we go ahead. We don't promote it. We accept you if you if that's your lifestyle, like it was mine. Then uh, we say, "Come as you are." Oh, I agree. We love-
2: I agree because you got to start somewhere.
0: Yeah, you you know you can't start by telling somebody what they aren't and belittle them into you know that's like uh, condemning people uh, to the cross. Like I'm going to accuse you of something and, and then you'll just love it, right? Yeah, uh, it's just oh, not yeah. Worth it.
2: <laughs> that's not going to help.
0: No, you know I. just so, we are Christian. We we're biblically based. Uh, You know, Scripture is our our absolute. Um, And I want to explain something that that gets lost here, because what happens to the people like many listeners, perhaps, that are gay out there, might be hearing me saying, well, you're just telling me that I can't have sex, I can't have love, I can't have intimacy. And that's not true. Uh, In the same-sex attracted mind, all of those things get lumped together. And what we're promoting and what we're saying is to live righteously before God, which is sexually righteous too, which means that I have an obligation with my sexuality to understand it by itself and to put it before God and let him direct that path, which is, if I'm not going to get married then to a woman, then I'm not going to be being promiscuous in my own sexuality and abusing you know, his cross. So when you unravel the the mindset of intimacy from sex, love, and you see them each in their own place where you should, and you really get into the Word, the Bible shows you how to be intimate, even with the same gender like uh, David and Jonathan were. But they didn't take it to sex. No. You know? When they saw each other, they would kiss. They were they were closer than brothers. You know, they 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 were intimate. Yeah, the Bible that, says he ha- he
2: loved David loved Jonathan more than the love of a woman.
0: Yeah, but that. didn't... Well, I mean,
3: uh, it, I mean, you just look at like Lord of the Rings, for example. To take a more contemporary example, and uh, Tolkien based uh, Frodo and Samwise's uh, relationship on what he actually saw in the trenches between officers and what they called their Batman at the time, not. The guy with the caped and cowl, but uh, the guys who basically you know, help enforce order among the men and, and so forth. Guy with the, the baseball. The intimacy bat. between, yeah, the intimacy between the um, uh, between two men facing uh, trials together.
2: Certain death. You brought
3: that into the novels, and then you look at you know, like the more modern thing, it gets twisted into uh, you know a. Uh, homosexual sexual relationship it's like no I mean you know no, it it, are we really to the point where two guys can't have any intimacy without being accused of being gay uh, you know uh, it does everything in a male relationship have to put it on to sex yeah no, really not.
0: really and believe me and, not, and I think, even in gay people just real quick if if you would get to know somebody of the same gender that you're really attracted to and you like what they have to offer and you say I want to be close to you and you resist the sexual temptation, and and you and you just get to know that person. It's very amazing how God works the relationship together. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, I wouldn't want to have sex with you yeah. because I'm not attracted to you that way. Well, if we do that with everybody we meet, instead of jumping to uh, the attraction and then acting on that, um, believe it or not, God would show even the gayest of gays like me that intimacy with him does not include sex with the same gender. It's really, it's really truly a, a life-affirming way of, of looking at sexuality and, and intimacy.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, it, the, I think that one of the biggest problems we uh, are experiencing right now in our culture is that we have conflated love and sex to where you right. know it, when if I'm talking to someone's game, I'm having this conversation inevitably. It, you know, it comes up with, you know, well, you're telling me I can't love who I love, and I'm like, no, there's I'm not saying anything about your right or ability to love someone. I am saying that uh, you are confusing love with sex at the moment. You know, and if you ta- if you can separate those two out, I think you know that that will deal with that problem. I mean, even between men and women. Okay, I've got plenty of women who are my friends and who I care about dearly, but you know, there's no sexual relationship there, or else my wife would kill me. <laughs> you know, it, it's it, the yeah. uh, you have to be able to separate out different kinds of relationships. Plus, you, say, you know there that are certain if you that are, that are Hmm.
2: You know that if you did have sex with it, it would ruin that relationship. It
0: would mess it up. Absolutely. Absolutely correct. And so does uh, it in a sex uh, attraction type of thing. Um, <laughs> if I go out and I'm having random sex like your buddy did in the bathroom, uh, yeah, he's Donnie. not going to be friends with that guy later in life. That's not going to be a relationship that's going to be sought after to be something that, you know, you were a great guy, so let's get to know each other. So you continue this pattern of brokenness, and you're right. Just like I'm saying, and what you have said, love, sex, intimacy. There are three separate boxes that we have to open up and discover and learn and appreciate the gift inside and not think that in order to have love, I have to have sex. In order to have intimacy, I have to have sex, or I don't feel loved. You see, it just gets so convoluted. Uh, in that in that loss, without the Lord in there to say, let me show you how to love. Let me love you so you can love others.
2: You know, and it's it's a lot. There's a lot more to it than just being like, you know, having your sex in line. You know, I mean, to me, in my personal opinion, and I, I I could be wrong. I'm just going to tell you what I think personally is that um being kind and being patient and being long suffering and being there and being a source of light for lost people and being available those are so much more important than whether you're gay or or not or or whether you're, whether you're whether you're attracted to to you know a lot of women or not i mean you know, like Rabbi Mike, I take for an example, he is such a kind and gentle person. He's slow to judge. He's patient. You can tell him anything. He's not going to judge you or look down on you. He's going to take it apart for you and help you deal with it. And he, he has understanding. And, uh, that's why I love Rabbi Mike. I just feel so close to him, you know? And, uh, I mean, there's so much more to being a Christian than just having your sex right. There's so many more yeah. things that are that are need to be at, at the, you know, that are more core than that, if you ask me.
0: No, you're right about that. But as we're unraveling the, you know, I'm just trying to give you a picture of a mindset and trying to no, to no, do I'm, exactly what you did and put it in the right place. Because you're right. Love is patient, kind, and long-suffering. And is like Rabbi Mike, who will who will accept me and guess what i'm going to let him tell me what's wrong because i know he has love for me and he'll tell me in an intimate way but we don't have to have sex to do it you see what i'm mm-hmm. saying i'm to break those pieces out a little further and then let each of them have their their own meanings and their own subcategories and their own life because that is the right way to live with all that understanding
2: and don't get me wrong, Rabbi Mike, he's a sexy guy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, baby.
3: <laughs> oh man. <laughs> <laughs> My wife obviously agrees. But, you know. I,
2: I like the I like the way Rabbi Mike looks. I, I think he's really cool looking. I could see him as a rock star or something. You know, uh, I just I like your look. I think you got it going on there. It's pretty cool.
3: I'll go all Ted Nugent on you. Yeah, again. I I'd
2: pay I'd pay eight bucks. I'd pay twelve bucks to see you live. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so um another thing um I'd like to ask John um is uh, uh how how do you deal with um people um that Aren't gay because I know your ministry reaches out to a lot of different things. I mean, on your website it says gay, straight, don't know. Do you have any other problems? I mean, what, how do you approach like um, somebody who's got like a porno addiction? Because you well, get those you guys, asked. right?
0: But there's plenty of those guys out there, and believe it or not, the ministry, <clears throat> my direct one on one mentor and And discipleship that I've done has been mostly with straight men that have been in uh, have addictions, long term and short term addictions with porn. Uh, So, our goal is to to open the door and say, "Come on in," and you're not going to shock us with what you're into, and whatever we can do to walk with you and to bring the light of 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 Christ onto that, but also get to the root and the heart of it. That's what we want to do. So that's why we reach out that way because we do – we see it all, and we don't want anybody to think we're just to out to change gay people. We're not even that at all. We're out to help people with what they feel they struggle with, and through Christ, we know that there's uh, answers.
3: Um, I think that's brilliant just from the perspective of yeah, we're not targeting any – you know, we're not out to target you. <laughs> You know, we're helping a lot of different people here. If you would like to talk to us, we're here. But we're not out to you know attack to attack or target you directly. I think that's brilliant. I mean, speaking just from coming from a, a Jewish perspective, I know a lot of Jews get very leery about evangelicals and messianics because they feel targeted by that. And if they know that you know the you know evangelicals have something else going on and so forth, they're a little bit more comfortable just coming and talking. So I think that. Uh, taking a broader focus with your ministry is completely brilliant on that point.
2: I like that. Way that. People can
3: feel, they can feel comfortable coming in, not like, you know, oh, no, they're chasing me. Yeah, that's uh, all God.
2: Something, uh, if somebody had any kind of a problem, they would feel really comfortable coming into your ministry, wouldn't they?
0: They always have. And you know what the beauty of it, too, Johnny, is we are not a recovery group, and we don't even want to get close to any of that conversation. We know that we want you to come, let the Lord work, you be open, we'll help you, we'll walk with you, and then you go away. And if you ever need us again, we're there. But you always have us as a brother or sister in Christ.
2: Um, I'd like to ask Rabbi Mike a question. And this is something that maybe I think I understand a little bit, but um, maybe not. I mean, I think I kind of got a grasp on it, but... Um, you know um, uh, Jesus himself, when he was walking the earth, um, it wasn't the religious people that were um, attracted to them to him. They were actually kind of saw him as like a threat, but some of them you know liked to learn from him because obviously his theology was impeccable, but the people that were really attracted to him were the people that shouldn't be attracted to him. And those were, you know, the harlots and the and and gay people and 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 tax collectors and tr- drunkards, and but they ran to Jesus, not from him. I mean, they sought him out. Why is that? Because it doesn't really. It seems counterintuitive.
3: Well, uh, with you're doing, I mean. It, it's very easy to sort of pigeonhole him as being anti-religious. And I don't think that was Yeshua or Jesus, you know, depending on how you want to pronounce his name at, at all.
2: No. Um.
3: They, I mean, you can see like everywhere he went, there were Pharisees with him. They were yeah. obviously hanging out with him. You know, a lot of the questions they asked him, if you're aware of uh, the debates of the rabbis of the day are, you know, they were asking his opinion on debates of the day they wanted to know and so forth. I think, however, the difference in the reception is that if you take somebody who knows that they're distant from God and they are feeling that loneliness, and you reach them out a hand, they are often very receptive. Whereas if you take someone who is very proud in their in their uh, religious walk, you know they 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 are like you know you know I uh, I'll use the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector there. Okay, the tax collector knew what his sins were. He knew why he was distant from God, and so he beat yeah. his breast and said, Have mercy on me, Lord, a sinner. While the Pharisee was like, Well, thank you, Father, that you have not made me like you know sinners like that tax collector over there. The difference was that those who are lowly a lot of times know their sin. You don't have to rub their faces in it. Whereas those who uh, walk a... Uh, a strictly religious path can be blind to the more subtle sins of pride, ritualism, creedism, and so forth that fit in there. So I, I also think that you know if if Yeshua were to appear today in something other than the glowing, climbing you know, traveling on the cloud form, yeah. Uh, You know, first off, uh, churches would be like, what's with the Orthodox Jew hanging out in here? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But also, (laughs) I I honestly think, I think that you would find uh, a very interesting crowd that would be coming and listening to him, and it wouldn't be who you were to be expecting. Okay, and that's not to put down those who uh, follow him today. It's just that he had his whole mission, he said, was to reach out to the sick. He said, the healthy don't need a doctor. I'm not here for those who are, all, uh, who are already, you know, that implies, by the way, that there pe- there were people who are healthy, who are already walking with God in this time. It's like, I'm not here for them. I'm here to be a physician to the lost, to the sick of the house of Israel. I'm here to leave the 99 and go after the one sheep that's wandered astray. I'm here for that express purpose. And that's why he drew people who had spent their whole lives, you know, feeling themselves outside of God's grace. Not knowing how they could possibly make things right, how they could possibly ever get that walk again. All of a sudden, here is the one who not only can tell them the way, but is the way. You know, it wasn't a gen- just a genius in Yeshua's teachings. It was the fact that he is. The sacrifice. He is the sin eater. To you know, if you, for those who have read the novel, The Last Sin Eater. If you haven't, go read it. It's a great novel. Uh, he is the one who takes our sins upon himself and takes all. He took all of our shame. The whole point of the crucifixion was not the pain. The pain was just the avenue to get there. It was about shaming a person in a culture that prized honor as much as any martial arts flick where people are willing to kill each other over matters of honor that you've ever seen, that was Roman society and that was Jewish society at the time. Crucifixion was to tear all that away, to completely humiliate and shame a person. Yeshua took on our humiliation, and our shame, so that we could take on his honor, so we could stand before a holy God. That was his whole purpose. And so for those who knew they needed that, They were attracted to that. For those who believed that they were fine, of course, they were repelled when he starts saying, Well, wait a minute, you've got this wrong. You need to fix this. Hey, you've got this. You know, that repels him because suddenly he is digging at that sense of pride. Yeshua tears down the haughty, but he lifts up the humble, just like his father.
2: You know, I wrote a song once, and the opening line um, was Dead men lie in shallow graves. In fields so cold, in skies of gray, the sun won't burn the haze away, as desolation lights the day. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people are feeling that horrible emptiness. Jesus is the only one that can deal with that. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can take some drugs and that'll last a few hours, but then you're even worse off than you were before. Then you're in even worse trouble.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Right. I mean, and you can get a counsel, some counseling and you might feel a tiny bit better for a few minutes or a few hours or a day. But then it comes back because that emptiness, it's like there's a hole that is. And, um, you know, what <clears throat> what was that great um author or that great uh, commentator um that said? Uh, what is that about the empty hole? Can you tell me that one, John? Do you know that offhand? I've got it here in your book you sent me. Uh- I'm I'm not not familiar there. Yeah, he said you, that an I, endless empty hole in your heart can only be filled by a eternal loving God.
0: Oh Curtis, yeah.
2: Curtis, yeah. But he was quoting somebody else, like I don't know Spurgeon. I can't say Spurgeon without teeth. <laughs> Spurgeon
0: <laughs> 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 Oh yeah. Um just don't 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 have anything else in your mouth when you say that right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah.
2: I got a rock star here. That's about it. Um, oh, boy. So, okay. So, okay. I'm going to challenge you guys. First of all, we'll take John. All right. So, so you got somebody that's knee deep in sin, well, chest deep, chin deep in sin, and they're feeling that empty hole. And um you know what? They've been listening to us talking, and they're thinking about maybe asking Jesus to help them out, you know? I mean, what would you say to that person right now who's listening?
0: I would say to you, listener, make the commitment. Ask him, because he's never going to say no to you. And don't be afraid if after the prayer you're still the same person that you've always known don't be afraid that your memories won't go away don't be afraid that god didn't somehow wipe out uh the 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 feeling or the emotion of the sin or the the difficulty that you've been dealing with because he's already taken that and now that you've handed it to him the only thing that you're left with is a residue of the pain and the body takes time to heal Just like if you were to break your arm, it takes time to heal. You feel pain for a while, but you know it's leading to good because you'll soon have your arm back. Well, you've got a whole new life with Jesus. So don't be afraid to give him the opportunity to show you who you really are with him. Remember, he loves you and he wants you and and he wants you eternally. You were made to be with him eternally make that decision you're one decision away from eternity with um
2: you know okay. I don't have a bat phone with a direct line to the Lord but I just feel like I just feel like in my heart that God is telling me that there's somebody listening right now who really they they think that they've completely blown it now and they're going to go to hell. What do you have to say to that person, Rabbi Mike?
3: There's a reason why this concept of being born again is so central to Yeshua's message. Okay? Um, it's a do-over. Okay? For a Jew like Nicodemus, it was a do-over because hundreds of years before Yeshua came, the whole Jewish nation had broken our covenant with God. And therefore we, you know, every Jew is born into that broken covenant. Every Jew is born into the punishments that that broken covenant, uh, uh, you know, offered. But we could die to that and be born again into a new covenant, a new relationship with God where he put his spirit in us. Every Gentile is born into the covenants of his ancestors with uh, the demons that were worshipped by gods, or worshipped as gods and therefore the new covenant is just as important for a gentile because you die to those covenants of your ancestors and you're born again but it's not just on a societal level all of us have given traded away elements of our lives all of us have made those committed those sins that we just can't see how they can be fixed that you know we feel driving us from god if a person is willing to accept yeshua He's willing to let us die with him, be raised with him, and you get a new life. You will always have the memories of the old life, and you may still suffer the physical consequences of that old life, but you yourself will be a new creation. And the reason that's so important is because to be a son or daughter of the living God is to be directly created by him for the purpose of bearing his image. And what he wants to do for you is to let you lay aside that old life, lay aside everything that you think is distancing yourself from, everything you think that is unforgivable, lay it aside, let it die with the old life, and raise you again as a new creation to be his precious son or daughter and put his spirit in you so that you can be his image in a dark and dying world. The thing he's offering you is not just, you know, sitting around in a cloud playing a harp forever. He wants to offer you a chance to be his son or his daughter, a new creation with his spirit here and now. And he doesn't care what you've done up to this point. He's offering you a chance to have a clean break, a new start, if you're just willing to accept the sacrifice of his son and accept Yeshua as your Lord, your Savior, and your most precious friend.
2: And now, to the person that's feeling that way, like they have blown their last chance, and they're, they just really feel like they're going to go to hell now because they have gone too far. Could you um, pray a simple, short prayer that they could pray along with right now?
3: Sure. Avinu uh, mechenu, our father a king. Father, every single person listening to this show and every single person taking part in this show has sinned and fallen short of your glory. But Father, you loved us so much that you weren't just going to leave us in our sin. You You didn't write humanity off in the Garden of Eden, nor did you write us off at the Tower of Babel. But you gave up your Son, the true Son of God, the unique Son of God, the one who truly projects who you are because you have put your word in him. You incarnated your word in him, your wisdom in him. Not only to show us the way, but to be the way. Father, I pray that everyone hearing this will accept Yeshua, will accept Jesus tonight. That they will know that they can be forgiven and have a do-over, have a new life. And yes, the way is often hard, because the old life likes to try to drag us back. But knowing that you have put your Spirit in us, pray, Father, that for all those who are right now feeling that pain, feeling like they've screwed it up beyond all recognition, pray, Father, that you will go to them. You've said through your Son, Yeshua, that You leave the 99 sheep to seek out the one lost. You've said that when the prodigal son even starts to turn back, you rush out to meet him. Father, rush out to meet them now. I pray, Father, that you will claim new sons and daughters to you now. No matter what their struggles, no matter what their sins. Pray, Father, that those who have struggled with their sexuality, those who have given in to their sexuality, whether straight or gay, pray, Father, that they know that you love them. And you made them and you did not make junk. Father, I thank you so much for who you are. All of the trials and tribulations of human history you knew in advance. And yet you loved us enough to make us anyway. And you love us enough to redeem us and to bring us close to you. And you want to give us so much more than we could ever imagine. I has not seen nor ear heard all the things that you have prepared for those who love you. And even in this life, though it is often hard and difficult because we're in boot camp for eternity, you work all things to the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. We pray, Father, now, all of us together, for those who are still at this moment, listening but struggling because they're afraid, because they know that the commitment means sacrificing self-will, pray, Father, that they will join us in the light, and that you will transform them from the inside out, not imposing a rule of order from the outside but you will transform them from the inside out. You will write your Torah on their hearts and your word, your commandments on their inward parts so that they can walk with you. If only they will accept and believe in your Son, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus Christ. And these things we pray in His holy and precious name and say, Amen.
2: Amen. I'd like to take a run at it real quick. Um, If you're on the fence and stuff and you're listening to this and um, you're considering Christ, you know, I'd like you to pray along with me right now. Jesus, I don't know, you know, I mean, I'm just going to go ahead and take you at your word. I mean, the Bible says, you know, that you're the son of God, that you were God in the flesh and that you died for my sins. Jesus, I believe that you were the Son of God. And I believe that you were God on earth. And I believe that you died for my sins. Please come into my heart. Amen. Amen. You know, the Bible says if you, if you, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. And really, I mean, that's the beginning and the end of matters of of salvation. You know, we, we don't have, we didn't see Jesus. All we have is this dusty old book and the Spirit of the Lord witnessing to our hearts. You know? I mean, that simple step of faith that you believe that Jesus is who he said he was, the Son of God, God incarnate, and that he died for your sins. That means a lot to God. That you would just take him at his word. I mean your faith. And your willingness to go ahead. And accept that. That's huge. I mean think about it. If you were God. That would mean a lot to you. This person that's 2,000 years removed from the cross. That was didn't know. Wasn't there. Didn't see any of it. This person is going to come. And accept me. I mean. If you were God, that would mean a lot to you, wouldn't it?
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, it So, John,
2: I mean, that's the beginning and the end. John?
0: I know we're getting long here, but I do want to add to your prayers are so beautiful, and I'm going to try not to get you, but, but I do, because I know that there's people that are not only on the fence of salvation, but on life and death.
2: And you're fading. Could you... Could you just step up a little no, bit.
0: Sorry about that. I, I get emotional because I know that there's people on the fence of not just salvation here, but life and death, whether it's through sickness or perhaps AIDS, uh, whether it's suicide, you know, because their brain is splitting and they can't reconcile their world. I've been there. That's why free indeed exists. Even if you don't know me Personally, even if you're far away, we want to be your friend. I want you to know I'm not here to change you. I just want to change your mind about God and show you the love of this magnificent creator. Who loves you. So please don't give up. Don't let this be the last thing you hear about God or anything else happens in your life. Let this be just the next thing. And connect with us. And Johnny, I thank you allowing me to come on and there's so much more we can talk about and I would love to in the future to get a chance but if we never do again I just want people to know that the love of the cross is so much more than we can imagine and we're willing to walk with you and take you or go with you as far as you want to go in life because we absolutely love everybody who's out there and we mean that Jesus, we love because he Loved us. that's what the Bible says, and we live that, and we we just want to thank you. Thank you, uh, Rabbi Mike, thank you.
2: You know, you are fading away really, really bad. Can you jump up on the mic a little bit there?
0: Yeah, I just said thank you for the opportunity to the audience just to to be here and to share. So, we we just love you guys and and want
2: to connect. (laughs) Now, um, if people want to connect with you, how do we do
0: that? Well, the, the website is out there, free Indeed C is in cat, O is opera, dot com, free indeed uh, We're on Facebook as Free Indeed Central Oregon, um, Google Plus, uh, you know, we're everywhere. But freeindeedco.com is our website, and it's got my contact information there. Uh, or just email directly to hope at freeindeedco.com, and I'll get those emails directly. All right, that's... I res- all of them. Go ahead. No, I respond to all of them. Uh, send me your questions because I do a YouTube channel. And it's kind of fun. I do a Dear John letter, and I do the letter and then answer the question. We have a lot of fun with that.
2: Um. So um, you're fading. So it's uh, freeindeedco.com. Right. And hope at com for the email contact.
0: Hope at freeindeedco.com.
2: Right. Hope at freeindeedco.com. Well, I can't say yep. that without teeth. That's tough. <laughs> Next time, baby, then I'll be back with teeth. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and yeah, you can get a hold of me. Iron Show Studio at gmail.com. Boy, that was hard to say without teeth. Ironshowstudio <laughs> at gmail.com three times to stick it in your ear. IronShowStudio@gmail.com at gmail.com and Rabbi Mike is Michael Bug with two G's. Not one G, two G's. B-U-G-G. Michaelbug at gmail.com. That's Michaelbug at gmail.com. Michael Bug at gmail.com. But don't bother him because he'll he'll kick your ass. <laughs> <laughs> That's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you know i always i i always you know I'm off the rails i'm I'm only joking with you we're here for you, you know um I'll do the best I can for you, I mean, I work all the time, I do the iron show, you know when i'm in my spare time. But, uh, you know, a lot of times, I live alone in a trailer park at the end of the world. So, a lot of times, you know, I come home, uh, take a nap, wake up, and I'm available for a few hours. You want to shoot me an email or you want you want to know, you know, ironshowstudio at gmail.com. You want to know how to get a hold of John? You know, I'll get, I'll get you hooked up with him or Rabbi Mike or Matthew Miller or anybody else you hear on the Iron Show. We're here for you. I know, Counselor Mark, he's here for you too. And that is The Breton with one T. B R T. B R E T O N, like the crackers, thebreton at gmail.com. and Counselor Mark is here to help you too. Um, we're all here to we're all here to help you out. You know, I mean that's what we do. That's why I'm here. I'm not making any money at this. All I'm doing is spending money. and I'm glad to do it man I'm glad to do it because I'll tell you what man it all started seven years ago when I was crying on the floor and telling Jesus you know what I haven't done one damn thing for you my whole life you've done all this for me and what have I done for you? nothing I go please help me find a way that I can serve you that I can make a difference in this world you know um So everybody should have their own ministry, whether it's barking on the radio or sweeping the church floor or uh, being there, you know, being there, being available. I mean, that's a huge ministry, you know, Um, helping out, helping old people, helping crippled people, helping your neighbor, helping your neighbor lift something, you know, tell them out. You always say, oh, that's what Christians do. I remember, uh, they, I remember one time, you know, witnesses are strange. You can witness in all kinds of different weird ways. And, uh, I remember one time, uh, uh, when I was first be- uh, Christian about a year and I was out with my friend's party and they would have decided they wanted to go to a titty bar and I'm like, okay, so I, you know, I was in the car with them and they all got out and, uh, this one guy goes, uh. Because I'm hanging out in the car, you know, outside the car. And then I'll walk in, and he goes, you're not coming in? I said, I can't go in there. I'm a damn Christian. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I thought, and he just kind of shook his head and walked in. And um, about two days later, um, he was one of my friend's big brother, because the little brother and big brother were there in the group. And anyway, my friend said to me, he goes, man, my big brother... uh, he can't stop talking about you. I go, what, what do you mean? He's, he's pissed because I didn't go into the bar with him, huh? He goes, no. He said, I thought, he goes, I couldn't believe that this guy wouldn't go into the bar. He goes, I can't believe. He goes, I thought there weren't any more decent people in the world. You know, I, I'm not a decent person, but to him I was, that was a witness. So there's so many ways you can witness as a Christian. I just I don't know. I just wanted to say that. Anyway. Alright. Okay. So Man. <laughs> Amen. Amen, baby. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Alright, so anyway, here we go. And Oh come on, where's my Oh oh hang on my Oh yeah? Ooh! Oh yeah! Alright! I wanna thank Bruce Collins. The Iron Show is on the Fringe Radio Network. At the behest of Bruce Collins... All right, I want to thank Producer Rick, Fringe Radio Network, for working me, working with me on all the technical details of going out. We are broadcasting live across a fleet of Shoutcast servers from the city of London, England, reaching out all over the world. We are on Spreaker, we're on Shoutcast, we're on TuneIn. We are everywhere. Thank you very much, Producer Rick. All right, anybody want to get a hold of me? Studio, gmail.com. Have a prayer request. I am going to Mexico very quickly to get my teeth. I'm going to the most dangerous city in Mexico. So please, um, if you could add me to your prayers, uh, keep Johnny keep Johnny reasonably safe as he goes to Mexico to get his new teeth. <laughs> All right. All right. I want to thank John Ford for being here. Free Indeed Ministries. That's freeindeedco.com. I want to thank Rabbi Mike. With us and bring the light to this session. Alright, man, until next time, remember, Johnny loves you.